You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Well, I, want, I, get, I get to introduce our speaker today because she's very special and dear to my heart. Uh, I just absolutely love this lady, and uh, I just want to wish her a happy Mother's Day because she's been a great mom. And uh, you guys give a big welcome to my wife, Terry Oliver. Come on. Happy Mother's Day. I wasn't going to let him introduce me. I was just going to come up. But he begged, so let's try and get points. So, no, he bought me flowers yesterday, which is so sweet. It was really nice. I appreciate that. So I think it's our first Mother's Day, possibly Father's Day, too, that we don't have our kids with us for, 30, for, for like 30 years, right? So we'll see. But, you know, I feel okay about it. I've had a total peace. We're so excited to just see them living in their dreams and being fulfilled in their lives that we're just, there's just this peace. I should make sure. So it's me today. Happy Mother's Day to me, I guess, you know, because he's making me speak on my Mother's Day. It's my, my prize or something. I don't know. But anyway, and I just, you know, <laughs> but I just want to speak today about family. And so you men, you won't feel kind of left out of the conversation today because I won't just be speaking about mothers. But I'll be sharing a few stories that I've probably shared here before, you've maybe heard before. And also, I've shared a portion of this message maybe two or three Mother's Days ago. But, you know, family's really been on my heart lately. And so I just want to talk about the purpose of family. And I want to talk about the strength it gives us as well as the destiny that's on it. So, you know, we have this strength that's inside of us more, you know, that we don't even know probably that we have. It's stronger than we even imagine when we've needed it for family. And you know what I'm talking about because you would jump in front of a moving car in order to save one of your loved ones, right? I mean, I'm terrified of heights, but I would scale down the steepest cliff (laughs) to try to save one of my grandchildren. And, you know... If you've ever been in public and you've seen a confrontation, like maybe out on the sidewalk or whatever, well, our instinct is like, oh, let's don't get involved in that, right? And you just kind of skirt around it. But if one of your family members is involved in the altercation, what happens? I mean, you become big, you become bold and loud, and you generally want to step right in the midst of it, and then you're all sassy, like, hey, why are you talking to my son like that, or my daughter like that, or my loved one like that, right? So this boldness kind of comes out. Well, you know, I think it's because we have this warrior that lives on the inside of us. And women have all, have, uh, it's been called for women, mother bear, mama bear, right? Because we've seen it rise up out of the shy, most timid, tiny, quiet individual when she has needed to protect her family. And <laughs> there's, no, there's no amount of fear, there's no amount of embarrassment that can contain it. Um, I have this story that I kind of tell on Chris Kind of just to poke fun, but um, <laughs> I did ask us permission. But we were on the ball field when our younger son was about maybe three years old, and we lost him. 
But what made it so bad is that one of the little girls on the ball field came up to us and she said, Tristan went in the woods with a man with a green shirt. I mean, that was pretty specific. (laughs) So Chris and I both are just, of course, overcome with panic and fear. And we both start taking off running towards the woods. And we're stopping people and asking them, have you seen a little boy? Have you seen a man with a green shirt? And Chris is beginning to get more and more hysterical. We get almost to the end where the woods are, and there's these bleachers, and he's trying to get these parents' attention to help us. And he can't get their attention, and so he just screams, help! I need help! Somebody help me! And he takes off running in the woods. He says he's running through the woods, and he comes to this group of teenagers, and he just starts terrorizing them. Why are you in the woods? You know, and he's grabbing them by the shoulders. Have you seen a little boy? And um, so honestly, even though I'm terrified, I have this brief moment of who is this maniac? (laughs) And it's really because I was used to seeing Chris be this take charge kind of command person taking care of everything and when we were in this very serious car accident where we were on our deathbed he was the one who was sending the nurses running out of the room crying when their words didn't line up with his faith and so I was like where's that Chris (laughs) you know where's that person but you know I had this realization that I was going to have to be the one to do something So in that moment, really just this peace came over me, and I just began to pray. And we're at this big ball field, this ballpark, and I just start praying out loud. And really, I'm just telling the Holy Spirit, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I just need your help. And it felt like everything slowed down, and I even felt like the earth shifted to the point that now I'm standing this way, and I'm facing the restroom facilities, and here comes Tristan out of the bathroom. He hasn't been injured. He hasn't been taken or anything. And, you know, the reason I kind of share that story, and I probably exaggerate it to kind of poke at Chris, you know, because today's Mother's Day. I have to be the hero today. But I just kind of share that because isn't it just so incredible how God sets us in family? And then one family member loses their mind (laughs) and is weak, has a moment of weakness. Another family member suddenly becomes strong and takes charge. Does anybody see that in their family? And we have this testimony in our family where we were involved in a very serious car accident. (laughs) Sorry, Brian, did I mess you up? We were in this very serious car accident. It was about 30 years ago. Our oldest son was about five months old. And he and I were both ejected out of the car onto the highway. And it was dark. It was in the middle of the night. And I was laying on the side of the road. And I remember kind of coming to, and I wanted only one thing. I wanted to hear my baby cry. Because I knew if he cried, he was alive. And so as I lay there very intently, this bright light just appeared to me. And then there was this just a soft, peaceful voice. But it said, it's okay, Cody's dead, but he doesn't hurt like you. And you know, for a brief moment, it sounded good. And that's because I was in this extreme amount of pain. I knew it was bad. I had broken my back. I had broken my collarbone. I had broken ribs. I had um, punctured a lung, and I had shattered a leg. 
And so as I lay there in this pain, I took a deep breath, like to take that sigh of relief, like, oh, that's good. But when I did, just something on the inside of me began to stir. I always say the spirit man on the inside of me just began to rise up, to well up. And I recognized that was not my father's voice. I knew that my God is a good God, and I did not believe that he felt that it was good for my son to die at such a young age. And so even though my lungs are filling up with fluid and I have that sensation of drowning, but I still said in an audible voice, no, Cody will live and not die and proclaim the wondrous works of the Lord. And the moment I said that, that light just, it just disappeared. And I knew that I knew that I knew that he would live. And, you know, later we had this discussion among our family that we believe that in that moment the enemy took an opportunity to disguise himself as an angel of light, like we see in Corinthians. And he took this opportunity to try to convince me to line my words up with his lies, which would be giving him permission to steal from me. But, you know, in the midst of the most difficult thing that I've ever encountered in my life, I found a deep inner strength that I never knew I had. And you have it too. (laughs) And you know, so much of motherhood has been learning about strength I never knew I had and also really overcoming fears that I didn't even know existed. All right, let's turn to Ephesians real quick. I want to look at Ephesians. This is chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 14. You know, family is the foundation of heaven. It is the very pulse of the heart of God. So I want to read beginning with verse 14. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of this glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Not good. So family is the foundation of heaven. It's the very pulse of the heart of God. And did you know that God's solution to every pain and suffering in this world was family? His solution is to raise up healthy families who would extend his heavenly family among all of the earth. And yet we live in this world where the wounds of an orphan spirit have impacted every soul. And it's because the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy family. He wants nothing more than to destroy God's solution. 
And really it's because he's the original orphan and he just wants us to be orphans too, right? But the good news is that every orphan and every broken heart can find, um, uh, can encounter a heavenly father, can find a home in him and in his family, and can experience strength, redemption, and destiny that is on family. That is such good news. I want to look at Genesis 1. I'm going to start with verse 26. You know, God's design's been family since the very beginning. We've called, we call him Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I want to look at verse 26 because in the very beginning, God said, let us create man in our own image, male and female. A couple of verses later, he says, he blessed them and he told them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. But then even Isaiah prophesied what it would look like. And this is found in Isaiah 6. It says, I saw the Lord, and his train filled the temple. A few lines down it says, and the seraphim were crying out, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth was filled with his glory. So God created the earth for the purpose of raising up a family who were made in his image who would display his glory. And he created us for fellowship, for relationship, really. He created us for relationship and for partnership. And his plan was to rule the earth in partnership. And he wanted to know us, and he wanted to be known by us. He wanted family. That's family. You know, here at Resurgent, we have this um, mission or this vision statement that we want to become a family who creates a community that transforms a culture. And how are we going to transform a culture? We are going to display his glory among all of the earth. And when when God created family, he did it with this directive. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And if we're going to do that, it's going to require us to do some things. And really, it's going to require us to develop every member of the family. Because, you know, in family, whether it's our immediate family or our extended family, and really today I'm talking about our church family here at Resurgent, that we're not just raising up children. We are to be raising up powerful, mature, healthy adults. Because true kingdom family is not merely about creating a safe place for us to belong, to feel seen, heard, and known, as we say around here, but it is about creating an environment in which every member is able to discover and fulfill the purpose for which God created him. That's family. So let's talk about healthy family for just very quickly, that if we're going to create, especially again, I am talking about our family, but I'm really talking about our church family here. If we're going to have healthy family, that looks like having a place of intentional development. And that's why we've added that piece that we want to see people restored, transformed, and equipped for kingdom impact. Because we cannot neglect um, the developmental side of family and just embrace relational side. If we're going to build healthy family, we're going to have to have some intentional development. And healthy family also looks like deep love. Um, You know, God has given us this ability to love unconditionally. And if he didn't, we would just give up on relationships altogether. I mean, think about the relationships you've given up 
um, that are outside of family just because it became too much work, it became too much of an investment on your part. So if we're going to have a healthy church body, a healthy family, or even a healthy family, we are going to... um, we're going to have to not give up on relationship. And then the third thing is healthy family looks like a desire to see each other succeed. I mean, you want to see your children succeed, right? We want to see them surpass us, and we as a family should want to see the next generation succeed and also to see them um, surpass us in a way. And it's not to make their destiny more important or more... um, valuable than ours, but it is to involve them in the family's destiny. See, we're to incorporate them into the vision of the whole family by imparting identity to them, imparting community, maturity, responsibility, and jealousy will never work if you're going to create healthy family. All right, so I want to move forward to, you know, you probably noticed this, that there's this consistent attack on family. We see it in our society today. We've seen it all throughout history since the very beginning of time, starting with even Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve, you know, they're listening to the enemy feed them a whole bunch of lies, right? And we see this dissension begin to happen between them, and they begin to believe a lie about their very own father, And when Adam and Eve sinned, it damaged family in a massive way. And God's plan of filling and subduing the earth, it became a source of brokenness. But God, when when sin entered the earth, God set in motion his redemptive plan, but he did it through family. And I love it that when things don't go as planned, God wasn't phased. I mean, he wasn't moved He didn't become fearful. He didn't become shaken up because he already knew what it was that he would do. And he would send his son to redeem mankind by way of family. And he chose family. He chose Sarah and Abraham, Isaac and Rebecca. So I want to talk about them for just a moment. But Sarah and Abraham, you know, they're given a promise. You know the story. They're given this promise that they would be the mother and father of nations and that kings would come through them. But it didn't happen right away. I mean, it took so long for their promise to be fulfilled that they grew impatient. They um, started kind of lacking in their faith. And then, really, they just started to try to make it happen on their own strength. They're trying to tell God how to fulfill the purpose that he has for their lives on their terms. And... um, even, and you know the story, because Sarah, what she does is she gives her servant to Abraham, and they conceive and have a child, and he's Ishmael. And, you know, so Sarah, she goes to these great extremes to try to make this promise happen. happen. And so um, she creates, even though I know Abraham had a part in this, but Sarah creates an Ishmael, which really is just a, a, a problem outside of God's will. I mean, she creates a problem. Has anybody in here ever created a problem for yourself outside of the will of God? Right? So now they have this big problem that they've got to deal with. She's got this big mess that she's going to have to clean up, but we know that eventually 
God does fulfill his promise, and he gives Sarah and Abraham a son, and they name him Isaac. Isaac marries Rebekah, and Rebekah has the twins, uh, Jacob and Esau. And then what happens? Well, first, God gives Rebekah a promise, and I put this scripture up there too because I wanted to read it for a minute because he gives her, it's so clear to me, this promise. It's in Genesis 25, 23. It says, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. It doesn't seem very unclear, And I don't think that God really needed her help to fulfill his word, but yet she too goes to great extremes to make this promise happen. And you know the story. She deceives her husband. She puts fur on the younger son so that the father will believe he's blessing the older son and yada, 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 right? So she deceives her husband and she interferes with God's plan. And as a result, Jacob is forced to flee. He has to run for his life, and now this family is completely broken. But like we like to say around here, if the story isn't good, the story's not over, right? And I love it that God restores the relationship of these two brothers. And this is found in Genesis 33, You know, it says that Jacob and Esau lived apart for 20 years as a result of this. And I mean, it would kill my mother heart if Cody and Tristan lived away from each other for 20 years in anger, bitterness, ready to kill one another. It would just kill me. And um, in the story, Esau sees that Jacob is coming and, or it says that Esau is coming, and I'm sure Jacob's thinking, well, here it is. He's finally found me. He's going to kill me. And he goes as far as spreading out all of his belongings and all of his loved ones and his children. And I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, well, when he attacks me, at least maybe someone will survive this, and my family legacy and my family destiny can live on. I want to look at Genesis 33:4 because here's what truly happened. It says, but <laughs> Esau ran to meet Jacob, and he embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. And my favorite part of this entire story, starting all the way back from Abraham, is this right here, Genesis 33:12. It says, Esau says to Jacob, let us start on our journey together. And may it lead us to trust, hope, and peace. And this family is completely restored. And I would just even ask you today, what would it look like if you and I, this whole family that we're creating here, committed to start on a journey that would lead us to trust, hope, and peace? You know, because of their strength of doing it as family, Both of these brothers are now blessed. They're so blessed. They're so blessed that it says that their possessions were so great that they had to extend their or expand their territory. So now they're both really blessed. Their relationship is completely restored. And now Jacob has the 12 sons who become the 12 tribes, right? God's own people by which the Redeemer would be born. And this family destiny continues on. And I really believe that it's because they were finally 
starting to see some of their promises being fulfilled because now they are unified as a family. So that encourages me (laughs) because I know I've made a lot of mistakes as a mother. Hopefully I'm not alone in here. I've made a lot of messes that I've had to clean up over the years. I've probably created some Ishmaels, you know, some problems outside of God's will, and I've probably even gone as far as manipulate and deceive, trying to force the hand of God to move and hurry up and fulfill the promises that he has over my life. And I don't really want to tell any of those big messes I've made. I don't feel like exposing myself because I'm supposed to be the hero today. It's supposed to be Mother's Day. (laughs) So I'm not going to really tell any of those big fat messes because we all have them. We're not proud of them, but we know God redeems it all. But I think we can't leave here on Mother's Day without having a funny mother's story. So I'm going to tell a couple little stories about where I've made some little messes. You know, that were easy to clean up. But just some easy messes that are funny little stories that we like to tell in our family just because we think it's funny. So the first story I want to tell you is about our older son. When he was like a young teenager, he was at home and he was very angry with me about something, probably because I didn't discipline his younger brother in the way that he thought that I should discipline him. And so he's telling me what for. And I'm in the kitchen and I'm making myself a bowl of soup. And I have this soup in my hand, and I come around the corner, and, I, and Cody's confronting me now. And he's kind of raising up, and he's angry. His face is red, and he puts his finger in my face. And through gritted teeth, he's fussing at me. And I want you to tell you, the anger just welled up inside of me. And I took my finger, and I stuck it in his face. And through gritted teeth, I said, don't you ever... Stick your finger in my face again, right? Good parenting, good modeling. Yes, I know. (laughs) And guess what he did? It was all good. Everybody was like, no. He leaned in a little further, and he stuck his finger in my face. And through gritted teeth, he said, I'll stick my finger in your face if I want to. Well, now i got to tell you, my blood's boiling, right? And I'm hearing it in slow motion. And I'm looking down at my soup. And I'm looking up at his face. And looking at his finger between my eyes. And I could hear, if I want to. And I just took that bowl of soup and I threw it in his face. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. So I don't have to tell you that we stood there probably for 10 or 15 seconds in total silence over the shock of my behavior. And after a few moments... He just spits out a perfect little stream of soup onto the floor. And then he says, I got to hand it to you. I did not see that coming. (laughs) So anyway, now we have just a funny, silly story that we can tell about a mess that I made, right, that... um, you know, about my good parenting skills. And, you know, what is it that Danny Silk says? You cannot control anybody. But on a good day, you should be able to control yourself. And that was a day I did not do a good job of controlling myself. But I also had to tell one on Tristan just to keep it fair because they compare notes later, you know. So Tristan, I have a little story on him. When he was probably six or seven, he was going to run away from home. And that's all fine and dandy, right? But 
I think he ran away from home like every other day. And I was just over it. Like, I really literally wanted to chase him down the road and just kill him. Like, I just, like, I wanted to show him who was boss, who was really in control of the situation, you know. And, I mean, I mean, the blood's boiling. I'm contemplating. I'm having this internal dialogue with myself. Kill him. No, don't kill him. Kill him. Don't kill him. You know, like, I'm having that moment. Like, what should I do? How dare he embarrass me in front of the neighbors? You know, all this stuff's going on. And so while I'm having this, I'm looking down the street, and I see Tristan is suddenly running back toward the house. And I'm like, what's going on? I mean, he's running. He's looking over his shoulders, fear in his eyes. And so I look a little further, and here comes this cop car coming up the hill. But I have to tell you that my first thought, I'm so sad that I thought this. I was like, oh, my God, what has he done now? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, he's been gone maybe 10 minutes, and he's already in trouble with the law. <laughs> I'm like, and so, yeah, and so he comes running across the yard. He runs in the house, slams the door, goes to his bedroom, and now I'm looking at this cop car stop right in front of our house, and I'm just like, so, of course, I'm like, Chris, you know, I send Chris out there, and he runs up to the end of the driveway, and they talk for a long time. Well, of course, they're just asking us, you know, if we'd seen something in the neighborhood. I don't know what it was, but Chris comes back in the house, and Tristan opens his door, and he said, Dad, what did they say? And Chris says, well, son, they said they'd let it go this time, but if you ever run away from home again, they're going to have to take you in. <laughs> tell you, I don't think Tristan ever ran away from home again. <laughs> and so, again, that's just a funny story that we can tell because I like to say that God has such a great sense of humor that he sent the cops to save me from creating a huge mess and killing my very own child. So, you know, it's fun to laugh at, but there's no family that's perfect. There's no mother that is perfect, but love will overcome. And 1 Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sin. And you know when the enemy tries to lie to you, especially to mothers and fathers, that you didn't do a good enough job imparting identity? Know that God imparts identity. So good. <laughs> I need to get a drink. All right, well, in all of our mistakes that we made with our kids, we've always held on to this one truth, that when all else fails, we would always maintain a heart connection with theirs. And no matter what happened, we would always have and strive for a relationship with our kids. And, you know, that's what God wants. He wants to stay connected with us and that's what we need to do here as a family, as a body, is we need to make a commitment to stay connected because it's the enemy who wants to divide. Look at what he did with Jacob and Esau. And, you know, when, when we separate ourselves from family, we can actually prolong the fulfillment of God's purpose and promises in our lives. And we can even stall our destinies 
because it's the people around us who awaken the destinies dormant within us. And um, Chris Valentin likes to say it like this, if you find your people, you will discover your destiny. So this morning, no matter what you feel like you're facing as a family, whether it's your immediate family, your extended family, or even your church family, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're facing brokenness or disappointment or shame or fear or you're dealing with having to clean up messes that you've made or you're waiting for promises to be fulfilled or possibly even praying for a prodigal son or a daughter to come home. Know this, that God has redeemed damage and brokenness in family. And through that redemption, he has restored family to its original intention in creation. And the moment we need something restored in our lives, God's not phased. <laughs> he's not phased because he's already put into motion his plan to redeem it all. Isn't that good news? He's going to redeem it all. All right, you know, right now we have an attack on gender. You see this transgender issue that we're dealing with right now in our society. And you know, actually, that's a direct attack on family. Because you can see the enemy stripping individuals of their unique identities and robbing the strengths that have been given to each gender. And he really... It's to confuse the family dynamic and to create orphans who have a lack of identity, but it's also to stop the power of family because God, God's solution is family. So we got to get back to the God's order of things and accept that there are things that only men can do and there are things that only women can do. And our relationships with one another should be building strength. And really, we have to realize who we are in Christ. I feel like it kind of got quiet here, so I'm sorry I got into this deep social issue. But, you know, it's time that we realize who we are in Christ and lead side by side just as we were originally created to function in the garden, men leading as men and women leading as women. You know, the, it's, the, it's the male lion who is the best killer, but it's the female lioness who is the best hunter. And male and female are created to be separate in expression, but never to be divided in their purpose. Not good. So let's kind of wrap this up with this. That family is strength that we can't live without. We're not meant to do it alone, and we should be linking our arms together. You know, just as Stephen shared last week, um, that we should be linking our arms together even when we're pursuing his presence because it gives us this incredible strength. And we need to be encouraging each other, prophesying over one another, imparting identity to one another. And you know, it's so strange that when we experience hardship, our knee-jerk reaction is usually to pull away and to isolate ourselves. And even with the lockdown, that was the enemy's whole goal, was to separate us and to isolate us. And it's because there's death in isolation. 
but there's strength in numbers. I don't want to end today by reading a passage from Bill Johnson's book called The Way of Life. And I put this up here. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I'm going to read this to you. It says, Our success in life in many ways depends on community. People loving people. My approach is this. If the vision for my life doesn't require the help of others, it's too small of a vision. All kingdom realities are realized and sustained through family. The scripture says, Our Father, for yours is the kingdom. Anytime we leave the concept of family, we have left the subject of kingdom. The family of God is his target, and that family is community. And by implication, they are in fellowship with one another, which is communing. Fellowship is the exchange of life, one member to another. We need each other to become all that God has intended. Not good. Such a good passage. So today, I really just am asking us to maybe make this commitment to one another that we will never step outside of the very thing that sustains us, and we will be committed to building family. You think we could do that? (laughs) Well, I want to leave us today with making declarations over building family. So at the very end of this, we are going to have a prayer team up here. If you need prayer for anything, especially if it is over anything redeemed in your life or you're waiting for a son or daughter, or maybe you'd like to become a mother and you're struggling in that area, um, different things like that, whatever you need prayer for, if it's for healing, we want to offer a time for you to come up and pray, but I do want to end with just making some declarations. Is that okay? I feel like there's power in our words being spoken out loud. So let's stand up together, kind of stretch your legs. So I want you to say these with me in boldness and like you really mean it with commitment, right? All right, let's say this together. Are you ready? All right. I declare that the God of breakthrough is making me a powerful builder of family, relationships, and community. I am empowered to create an amazing family through marriage, childbirth, and adoption, through creating epic friendships, and through being a leader to my extended family and a real member who blesses my community. I believe everyone in my family and friendship network will have an opportunity to know and fully love God because of our connection. I declare that my whole household will be one saved, walking in their full connection with God in complete destiny. My family and relationships will be blessed in everything we do and everywhere we go The God of breakthrough will help us succeed. He surrounds us with favor like a shield, and no weapon formed against us can prosper. What the Lord has blessed, no one can curse. And the last slide. God will cut off any plans of the enemy to steal from us, kill us, or destroy us connections. He'll bring us into the life he planned for us, the life that is abundant and full through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful, lovely Mother's Day. Go spend time having lunch together. And again, we want to offer an opportunity for you to come up and pray. So, Chris, you want to grab some people, or Stephen, grab some people. All right, we love you. Don't forget to get some pictures and post them on your social media. We love you guys. 
For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.